Hello, welcome to Callcast. I'm calling it Callcast instead of whatever I quoted you last week. Stop moving, stupid microphone. Uh, Things I Can't Say to Your Face was probably just the title I'm going to leave for the last uh, episode. Each episode might have a different title, so I'm probably going to do it like that. But um, welcome to episode two of Callcast. I am excited to share with you guys some, uh, not necessarily some updates this time, but this is more of a personal venture, some personal history that you guys are going to hopefully embark with me on. First, I need to share a a little bit about my Metal Lords reaction. Um, I talked about Metal Lords very in depth, told some stories about what happened on set last week. Only to be shown in a brief two-second shot in Metal Lords around the the hour, 22-minute mark. That was frustrating. That was was frustrating. That was a letdown. (laughs) Because of how long I spent on set. And the stories that I told. And... Half of my face and my arm is in a shot. That's it. 350 bucks and like 25 hours spent on that set. For a two second shot in which half my face and my arm are shown in it. Perfect! <laughs> I think the, the editor must have hated me or something. The editor was probably like, oh my god, this guys in every shot you know (laughs) like i don't know i don't know what you would have thought but uh part of me was thinking that like i just got to get past the editor (laughs) and i did not get past the editor even my line that they recorded they they used somebody else's recording when the dude like falls and i like said my line uh they used somebody else's line there which is just i was pretty disappointed i was pretty I won't say I was caught off guard. It made sense to me. It made sense because I'm not verified on TikTok. I'm not verified on Instagram. And I sense the industry's uh, apprehensiveness or like um, hesitancy. I, I, I sense the industry's hesitancy to even like accept me. So the fact that they hardly used any sort of any shots of me in the Metal Lords totally made sense to me. It it did not catch me off guard at all. I know what I expected and then what I wanted, and those were two very different things. I expected this and wanted that, and what I expected, I got. So, thank you, Netflix. <clears throat> um, I'm 15 days late to the uh, conversation. Didn't know how to talk about it quite yet, but the Oscar slap, we've all heard about the Oscar slap so many times, I've watched so many videos of it, all these comics and comedians talking about, talking about it, and I haven't heard any comedians on the side of Will Smith, all the comedians are on Chris Rock's side, understandably, anybody who's on Will Smith's side, I don't understand it necessarily because I consider Will Smith's actions to have been fairly 
out of insecurity and I think it was a lot of um, I'm doing this because I feel that this is my, what my wife would want. But I know that it wasn't. He went above and beyond and now even his wife is like, yeah, he completely over-exaggerated. I'm not a type of woman that needs to be protected like that. Which I think plays into her manipulative mindset, uh, her manipulative hold over Will Smith, I believe that she has, which I find pretty sad, actually. I relate to that a little bit, but not nearly as much as the history that those two have, um, and the history that they have with Chris Rock, like, had it been anybody else than Chris Rock, this wouldn't have happened. The fact that it was Chris Rock is just a crazy perfect storm for some reason, and it's so unfortunate. But I kind of consider the Oscar slap to be uh, a spiritual event for some reason. People are calling it like, oh, a distraction. And I think that too. I think that too. But I think it's it's very spiritual, I'm a very spiritual person, and so um, these kind of events like Ukraine, uh, even COVID, just kind of play into what I already think the world, the direction the world is heading towards, which if you read the book of Revelations, it says that uh, the world will resort to where the earth was during Noah's times. And Noah is the dude who built the ark because the the Lord was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to flood the earth because I'm, I'm completely unhappy with the behavior of everybody on earth right now except for Noah and his family. So I'm going to destroy the earth with a flood and we're going to start fresh with Noah. And um, in Revelations, it actually says that the world will be moving back towards how the world was during Noah's times. So it's really interesting that we're not even there yet. Where Noah's time, where everybody got in that like timeline, uh, must have been really vile and evil and disgusting. That's why it was destroyed. So that's just like super brief, but I do believe that the spiritual intensity is going to be heightening over the next few decades that's that's all i think and and i consider the oscar slap to be like one of those things and that stems from a personal religious history which i've come to realize that not a lot of you guys know i'll say some of this stuff in live streams and stuff but i was born and raised in salem oregon until the age of 11 but my parents became missionaries and we became a missionary family when i was at the age of six so for about six years, we traveled all of the west side states from WA to CA to ID to MT back down to NV, stop off at UT to AZ to NM, the whole deal. And that was about six years of my life. And then we moved to Brazil. We went to Brazil. I was 11 years old and I was there until I was about 19 with a little bit of a furlough in between there. When I was 16, we came back to the states for about a year, continued raising support. I did a play at that time, which is one of the Best three months of my life, I, I can probably say. <clears throat> and then we went back to Brazil until it was time for me to go to college. And then I went to college in 2014 at 19 years old. I'm 27 now. 
I did film school, and it was four years of schooling condensed into under three years. So we studied through the summers of 15 and 16, and then I graduated. I had my internship, and then I was done with school. And I still tried to live in Michigan to try and make film work with the film community that I had found there. And I met a lot of adversity, and then I decided to come back to Oregon. And about seven months after I came back to Oregon is when I hopped on TikTok for the first time. And that's when things started taking off there. 2019, October. So that's just like a super brief summary of what happened. But before Brazil, we traveled around to hundreds of churches. In Brazil, we led uh, sports ministries for those, I mean, all, 10 years that my family was there and like eight that I was there with them for. We lived on a huge five-acre property, and we had, like, soccer fields and basketball courts and volleyball courts and a pool and game centers and a playground. And Sometimes we would have nine whole youth groups, like nine different churches and their youth groups come over to our house, which is like 250, 300 people. I was also at summer camps. I went to summer camps every summer in Brazil. That was so much fun. I, li I started working at the summer camp. I started just, like, I lived for it. I was always on stage doing dances or skits. I was always making people laugh. Summer camp in Brazil is where I shined. That was like my social media in person, pretty much. Like the first time that I attended that camp, I didn't know Brazil. I mean, I had just gotten there in August and I go to this camp in January and I didn't know the language at all. But I remember doing a skit on stage with my friends because I thought up a skit about, oh, what if you guys try and, like, teach me Portuguese, but you guys are teaching me it wrong. So you guys teach me that, like, oh, I'm so fat, you know, you guys teach me wrong things, like, I'm, I, you know, I'm, sure I'm so strong, but I'm really fat. You know, I just thought up skits like this that would be funny, that would be, like, mocking the English-Portuguese dynamic, and it always went over well. I found a lot of popularity uh, doing that at those summer camps. That was a lot of fun. Like, I made a lot of friends, dude. When I left Brazil, I invited 150 people to my goodbye party. And that, those were people that I all considered to be actual friends of mine. And about 90 of them came. Which, 90 friends, that was so meaningful, so incredible to me. I could never find 90 friends here in the States. Never. The Brazilian culture seems to be so much more accepting of the goofiness that I portrayed in person than here in America. Here in America, it's like, it's immediate judgment. But, um, especially if it's in person. But in Brazil, it was like, who is that dude? I want to get to know him. And I miss that mindset. I miss that mindset a lot. Because the stuff I do on social media is acceptable on social media, but I was also doing that a lot in person, and that would never be accepted here in the States. So, I have some resentment towards the American culture for that. But now I've been out of Brazil for about as long as I was in Brazil, which is kind of absurd to me. I think literally just as long. It's just as long. So now I'm a graduated film student, paying for student loans off of social media, TikTok, YouTube, merchandise, all that stuff. I mean, I have had jobs since I've been back here, kitchen jobs. I worked for the state for a little while during the pandemic. 
And the job that I've held the longest is at a restaurant here for the company McMinimins. Boone's Treasury is the location that I worked at as a line cook and kind of a prep cook as well. We just kind of did everything. I mean, the kitchen was so small. I mean, it's like this big and you literally have to like suck in your gut passing people and stuff. Or at least I did. That was the longest standing job that I had held up to this point. I was very proud of that. It was about 13 months. (laughs) Me and jobs just don't seem to agree at all. And the end of that job at Boone's Treasury was very difficult. I wouldn't have quit so soon. But under the circumstances, I was kind of forced to. So what happened was July 2nd, 2020... The head manager of the restaurant, like top dog at this one specific location, she had just recently hired her brother as a line cook too, and he was working with me both these days, the 2nd and the 3rd of July, 2020. I was making 13 an hour, and I found out, he just told me on the line, you're not supposed to discuss money with your fellow co-workers, or at least if you do, you run the risk of doing this. But he told me that he makes 15 plus an hour. And I'm like, okay, I've been at this job for 13 months and this dude just started here. And just because he's the manager's brother doesn't mean anything to me. So why is he making over $2 an hour more than me? I mean, it's only natural for me to think that and kind of go down that rabbit trail of thought. And I was baffled by it because he was such a bad cook. He didn't know the menu. He couldn't cook. He always, he constantly needed my help. He needed my help in just about every move that he made, which was so frustrating. So, on July 2nd, the manager's brother takes a break. He takes a lunch. He takes about 30 minutes. I'm expecting that 30 minutes. I'm expecting that 30 minutes to be over and done with, and I'm cooking. I'm alone on the line. We get a little bit of a lunch rush, and the manager, she comes to help me on the line. Now... This pub is so small that there are no cameras. I don't think there are any cameras in any of the McMinimins. And while we're cooking on the line, with nobody else on it, nobody's there to witness anything, she decides to slide past me, behind me a couple times, with her hand grazing across me. And she does it once with her hand. I can, I can feel it's her hand. I mean, she's not just, like, getting past me. Like usual. I've worked here 13 months and she's never passed behind me like this with her hand just like touching me back there. And then she does it again on her way back. And I was like, that's definitely her hand on my ass. And I don't understand why. Why would her hand be there? She's, She's getting past me and her hand is right there. Both times. And then she does it a third and a fourth time. And the fourth time is the most aggressive time. And I can actually see when she does it her fourth time. I do this and out of my peripheral I see her head is on a swivel. Like that. Looking like that. It was almost as if that fourth time she was like, why aren't you getting my message? Like, hello. And I was getting the message. I got the hint. Pretty loud and clear, actually. I got it the first time. And in her mind, she must have been thinking, oh, maybe I wasn't clear enough. No, 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 no. You were clear, bitch. I understood you. From the first time. 
and you did it three times after that, thinking I didn't hear you. Oh, heard ya. So after she leaves that day, I tell a manager. Now this, the conversation with this manager, I say, dude, Kayla passed behind me a couple times today and was touching me with her hand. And this manager, Brian, he goes, well, you know, it's up to you on whether or not you feel uh, violated or not. And I was like, I do. And he goes, okay. Well, I won't tell anybody until you decide what you want to do, okay? He told me that two times in the conversation. He, he Later, after that conversation, he came back to me on the kitchen and said, just so you know, I'm not going to tell anybody until you decide what you want to do. I said, okay, thank you very much, because I don't know yet. So I end that shift and I leave. Later that night, I see that Kayla, the head manager, she had unfriended me on Snapchat, where prior to that day, she had added me on Snapchat as a friend. We didn't exchange a single snap, because I was like, my boss is adding me on Snapchat, I don't know why. You're mid-30s, why would I want to do anything with you? That night, after this whole debacle, after I tell that uh, one kitchen manager, Kayla has unfriended me on Snapchat, which tells me that she knows. Somebody spoke up. Who was it? Probably that one manager, Brian. The next day, I arrive at work, as I'm supposed to do in the morning. Kayla is on her phone outside. She sees me and goes like this. Immediately. She turns and books it into the building. And I go, confirmation. She's aware. The general manager that runs about six of these different pubs in the area is there. Unexpectedly, she's there. Mel. She sits me down. Mel proceeds to interrogate me as to what I am accusing Kayla of. And I hadn't said anything except for that one manager. I hadn't said anything to anybody except for that one manager. And Mel was extremely condescending to me during the during the conversation and clearly was taking Kayla's side, which makes sense. I had been written up a few different times during my time at uh, during my time there. So they're looking at the write-ups, they're looking at I don't know. I don't know what what else they felt that they had against me, but they didn't believe me. So we, I get done with that conversation with Mel, and I go back on the line cooking. Kayla and I are not even, like, looking at each other. I am due a 10-minute break. 10-minute break. I get a phone call while I'm on the line. I get a phone call, so I decide, oh, you know what? This is probably a good time to take my 10-minute break. So I take that. I take my 10-minute break. And that leaves Kayla's brother on the line by himself. During that 10 minutes, you would think that the world had collapsed and we were entering the apocalypse. I'm on the phone call. The phone call was 10 minutes and 33 seconds long. 10 minutes and 33 seconds. The cook comes out and asks me for help on the line. He asked me for help in my 10-minute break. He asked me for help. Another manager comes out and asks me for help. Kayla comes out. Another manager comes out. Four different people came and asked me for help in this 10-minute break on this phone call. I end the phone call. I go back on the line. 
there are two appetizers sitting on the rail. Appetizers that this cook could not handle getting paid $2 more than me. He couldn't handle two appetizers. I come back onto the line. Heather, bam, right there. What the hell was that? Talking about I didn't come back on the line when I was on my 10-minute break on a phone call. Perfectly legal for me to have done. Kayla comes back, and they both start scolding me. Heather and Kayla both start scolding me in front of customers there. They said, what the hell was that? You were supposed to be here on the line, whatever. So my retort to Heather was, the dude getting paid $2 more an hour can't handle this? And she didn't even know how to respond to that. Kayla walks away, and I decided, I'm done. I'm done. So I just politely touched Heather on the shoulder. I said, I quit. And I walked out. I walked out. And there's actually a video on my Instagram back in July of 2020 that my dash cam of me walking out, getting in my car and crying on the way home because it was just so upsetting how I was treated leaving this place. I had to leave because of how I was treated. And this is the first time that I've actually told this story in detail online. So uh, it's incredibly unfortunate. And obviously McMinimins never had any clue that I would grow in popularity online. And I fully intend on using their name to tell my story. I have been fighting unemployment Oregon's unemployment for two years almost two years because of this now because they did not believe that I had a right to quit but if they weren't there to witness it then they can't speak on it unemployment has taken McMiniman's side and I am unbelieved I I am not believed by the majority of people right now unemployment and McMinimins. I'm not believed. And so now, therefore, I owe all this money to unemployment for something that I didn't do. And this is all because of Kayla's hand. You know, she couldn't keep her hand off me, which just led to a lot of dominoes falling that have been against me the whole time. And I don't feel like any sort of conclusion has has found its way into the situation, and it's very, very uh, discouraging. Because if I was a woman and Kayla was a man and this happened, I'd be believed immediately. And it's so funny to see the role reversal here. And I'm sure this happens a lot. Just look at Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser literally lost his career because of the same thing. A female executive me tooed him. And he was not believed, and he lost his whole career because he was not believed. It's incredibly sad. Yeah, okay, sure, believe all women. But you should believe some some of the men. You should believe some of the men. So I apologize, but this uh, podcast is not that happy of a podcast this time around. This is um, some stuff I need to get off my chest. 
And I'm going to end the podcast now by talking about something that's pretty dang personal that a lot of people in my personal life are actually done hearing about. They do not want to hear about this person anymore, and I can tell. But I have never fallen for somebody this hard, and I've never experienced this type of heartbreak before. So I'm really having trouble navigating it. I met a trans man online in November. Uh, Their name is Cole. They were born female. And in 19, they're 27 now, as old as I am. And at 19, they, uh, I'm not sure the right terminology there, but they, they transitioned. Not physically, but they decided that they were a man. Uh, Non-binary, as it were, as well. And I met this person, and I never, ever, ever, ever expected what happened or my behavior towards them. This is the most attached to a person I have ever gotten, to the point where I've never witnessed this type of behavior from me. Now, this person, Cole was recently broken up with. They were abandoned by their ex, who just up and moved to California and left Cole with this apartment in Albany, Oregon to have to keep afloat in a job and some pets and a bunch of boxes and, and stuff left over from their ex. It's just an incredibly bizarre situation. And I had such immediate compassion for them in their situation. I actually saw them as such a perfect fit into my life. Absolutely flawless fit into my life. Not flawless. I knew that there would be some rough terrain up ahead, but a relatively perfect fit into my life. But along the way, I tried to voice my opinion to them about the trans community. And I did it in such a way where I had found out their legal name without their approval. Because they had said to me, if I can help it, you will never find out my legal name. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that being kept from me. Not that it really has anything to do with me, but curiosity killed the cat. And that's exactly what happened. I found out their legal name. I dropped it to them, which I did not know that dead naming was a thing in the trans community. I would not recommend doing that. And that has led to um, uh, three months now, almost uh, two and a half months of either fighting or absolute silence from them as I tried to talk them out of their trans identity. And really broke their heart in that way because I I feel that they started developing some sort of feelings for me as I did for them. And then all of a sudden I just revealed that the person that they are was not the person I saw the whole time. And I really, really damaged them. Made them very angry. And their whole perception of me changed to the point where I, I can't get it back on track. And I'm absolutely baffled by my mind's capability of entertaining one subject for five months now. Every waking moment my mind is spent thinking about this person. And I legitimately have no clue how to stop. Because it's taking up 80% of my mental energy. Because I envisioned something entirely different from what actually ended up happening. And I'm still, I I am still so unwilling to let go 
and come to the conclusion that this was never meant to be and that I should walk away from it. I'm still just so stubborn. I'm, I'm an incredibly stubborn and persistent person when it comes to something that I want. And so that's what's occurring in my life right now is this coal person is just so, such an anchor on my heart right now to the extent that it has really driven people away from me because they're so tired of hearing about coal. Nor do they understand like what happened or why I became so attached or any part of that. So I feel completely solo in this in this heartbreak and it's the most frustrating thing to me frustrating to the point of just wanting to spend my whole day screaming about it that's what I feel inside of me but I can't do that obviously so then that just turns to other things that are not good and that I waste my day looking for. I want to sleep and not be of sound mind. And I I legitimately don't know how to stop thinking about this person. And even if there was a conclusion, like even if there was an option offered of how to stop thinking about this person I'm not sure that I would take it and so what I foresee is just more months of this which is absurd because I haven't even seen this person in two months so this falling for this person these feelings that I've developed were entirely unexpected and the heartbreak even more so unexpected but I guess I just needed to say something because I cannot I need people to understand how big of an event this is to me. That I'm not just capable of acting as if everything is fine right now. I'm... It's so hard to just like progress forward, keep making content, happy-go-lucky, post every day, when the only fix that I feel is talking to this person, and it's been almost two weeks since they've even responded to me. And I'm in that space of not knowing whether or not I've been ghosted or not. Like, I don't know. They could text me tomorrow. I don't know. But I don't expect them to text me for a long time, possibly ever. And that's the hardest part. Because I've just never experienced this shit before. So, I'm sorry to end this on kind of a downer, but I needed to share where I'm at. And, uh, I guess I'll talk to you guys, uh, <coughs> next week, you know. Thank you guys for listening. I look forward to your comments. And if anybody else can relate, let me know. Let's have a dialogue about this. About any of it, anything I said, you know. Anyways, appreciate you guys. Much love. Talk to you next week.